when you have that taken away from you, it's something you never forget. And it's something you never take for granted. Uh, losing part of the function of your body. That's, that's something that's just life changing. And I'm just so grateful to be able to, you know, move my body. Welcome to You Cured What? The podcast of reversing the irreversible. This is where you hear how real people are healing from conditions that most people think they're stuck with for life. I'm your host, Joe Kalb. If I had to give you some medical advice, I'd go to medical school and get a medical degree. Seriously, nothing in this podcast is medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute as such. Now, enjoy the You Cured What? conversation. Before we start in with this podcast of healing, I want to plug another project I've been working on, a website of healing, disease-reversals.com. Disease-reversals.com is an online grassroots catalog of healing. It catalogs disease reversal stories posted online across the web, across the world. It categorizes them by disease and by diet used. There are already hundreds of disease reversals cataloged at disease-reversals.com. This website is for anyone asking, can my condition say type 2 diabetes be improved with diet? Check out disease-reversals.com and see what has been happening in the real world. Oh, heal yeah. Disease-reversals.com. I am thrilled to have on today's guest. After being diagnosed in January 2016 with a rare condition called Cauda Equina Syndrome, she did not know if she would ever be able to walk again. In the years since, she has transformed her health and her life. She is not only mobile, but she is thriving, a positive force for good. She has shared her journey online and is helping many others along the way. I am happy to welcome the paleo pharmacist, Dr. Nevada Gray. How are you doing today, Nevada? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to um, have you on. Um, you know, January 2016, you got a really rare diagnosis. Is that is that right? Yes, it was a, a life-changing morning, uh, that's for sure. So after two years of back pain and a lifetime of trying to solve my problem of polycystic ovarian syndrome, cycling through every diet known to man, working with personal trainers, working out hours at the gym, I developed this back pain two years prior. And I went to see my doctor about it because I was concerned about it because it was starting to get worse and worse. So I did physical therapy and it waxed and waned for a few years until one day I happened to be at work and I started to develop this really bad sciatica down my right and actually my left leg. I started having uh, my foot was getting lazy and the pain just started getting worse and worse. And I, I work as pharmacist. So I was on my feet for 12 hours that day. So I was uh, quite uncomfortable. And at the end of my shift, I had to use a motorized cart to get out to my car. And I thought, okay, I just have to get through one more day of work. And then I'm going to call my doctor and 
find out what is going on, you know, just thinking, you know, I must have herniated something, uh, or, you know, there was just something in my back that was causing this problem. So I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and I went to get out of bed and I fell and I realized that at that point I was paralyzed from the waist down. I was in the most excruciating pain I had ever been in in my life. And I was also incontinent of my bladder. And I was having trouble feeling uh, from my waist down. It was almost as if a limb goes to sleep. And you know, that odd sensation that you feel when your limb goes to sleep. This was just a thousand fold that sensation. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And I realized that I had no... um, feeling or sensation in my saddle area. I also had a loss of reflexes um, below the knee. So I was not able to move my feet up and down. And I was just having, uh, you know, pure panic. And I pulled it together. And I realized I had to get to a high level medical center because at that point, something was seriously wrong. So I called a friend, I went through my whole phone until someone answered. And I'm like, can you please come to my house and take me to the nearest medical center, which was about 20 minutes away, that I knew had capability to do an MRI, which I knew I probably needed an MRI. And from there, I was quickly triaged in that emergency room. The emergency room physician recognized right away there was something wrong with my lower, um, the lower portion of my spinal cord, which is the horse tail. It's this horse tail of nerves that hangs off the cord called the quadriquina. So he immediately sent me up for an emergency MRI. And when I was coming out of that MRI, there was an ambulance waiting to take me to a higher level medical center that had a skilled neurosurgeon that was ready to do emergency surgery for me. I needed to have an emergency microdisectomy uh, to decompress the disc pieces that had exploded in my lumbar spine that were crushing uh, nerve roots uh, from my L4 down. So essentially what happened was I had an annular tear, which is an annulus that holds the disc in in place. And probably the root of my back pain was I had this tear and it just kept ripping and it ripped from side to side. And I had a central massive disc herniation um, at my L5S1. And I had a very bad bulging disc at L4. Uh, But the disc fragments just went out and exploded um, across that quadra equina. So it, it essentially paralyzed me from the waist down. The surgery was critical uh, to decompress those the horsetail of the, the spinal cord to give me a fighting chance to be able to walk again. And I was very fortunate to be able to um, have access to that emergency surgery in that critical time window. Uh, so how, um, how long after uh, you were leaving work and you had to leave on a motorized cart. Um, what was the the time gap between leaving work that day and getting that emergency surgery? I calculated around thirty six between thirty six to thirty eight hours uh, based on my initial symptom onset because it was a gradual onset because I was noticing changes. I would have these odd sensations a few weeks prior to this happening of my legs wanting to give out, even though I was standing and I knew my legs were strong. And I'm like, oh, that's an 
odd sensation. And I noticed that my legs were feeling a little heavier than normal. And I would have trouble getting going in, in the mornings. Once I would get up, I would have trouble getting mobile. And then once I got going, I was, I was okay. And I would kind of have a little bit of relief, but I would feel, um, stiffness. And my neurosurgeon said it was probably a slower onset over a week or two before the acute symptoms just started when the disc just started herniating. So I was very fortunate because in the literature, uh, that 24 hour window is the most critical. Um, Some some uh, papers show between 24 to 48 hours, but uh, they did the surgery immediately, which I'm extremely grateful for. Oh, that's, that's terrific. Um, so after you, um, after you wake up from this surgery, what, uh, what's going through your mind and what happened next? I was kind of in a state of shock because everything happened so fast. And when I woke up, I was very grateful uh, for my neurosurgeon who happened to be looking me right in the face and he said, I believe you can have a full recovery. And those were the first words that I heard uh, because I honestly didn't know if I was ever going to walk again. And he said, do not Google your condition because he knew I worked in healthcare. So he said, don't Google it. Um, you know, I believe you're going to have a full recovery and we're going to get you up and moving. And this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done, but I, I know you can do it. So I felt encouraged. I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm gonna have a full recovery. I had some relief of my back pain, uh, but I did notice that my right leg was severely impacted um, from this. My left leg recovered uh, for the most part, but I was um, unable to really stand or tolerate standing for a long period of time. I had a walker. So I was walking with the walker and because I had foot drop, my gait, my leg would swing out and the walker was always in the way. So I was always trying to navigate how am I gonna, you know, how am I gonna walk forward with this? Um, So I was in the hospital for about a week, because they wanted to make sure that my bowel and bladder came back okay. And by the grace of God, they did. So I did not have issues with that. I did have residual numbness um, in the saddle area from the waist down, which is very common after that surgery. So I did have that. And uh, I was able, by the grace of God, to be able to be discharged home with services. So I was discharged home with services. And I had a physical therapist. I had an aide. I had family and friends that came over and helped me every single day. And I was able to build myself up over a period of months to be able to transition to an outpatient physical therapy. So it was, um, it, it was a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. <laughs> Yeah, that that would be just a, a complete overhaul of your entire life um, in an instant. Um, so once you got home and you've got you've got some in-home services, um, what were some of the the next steps in your recovery? So the first thing I did was against medical advice. I googled my condition. And my first day home, uh, as soon as I had a chance, I was, you know, in my bed, just looking on my phone, Googling the condition. And I had probably the worst day of my life after the surgery, because I just, as someone that normally does not struggle with daily anxiety, I probably had the worst panic attack of my life. 
I page my neurosurgeon. I'm like, I want to make sure, you know, that I'm, I'm going to recover. Um, you know, please be honest with me. I, I need to know what I'm dealing with. And he said, no, I believe you have full recovery. It's going to be hard, you know, focus on the physical therapy. He's like, we're focused on full recovery here. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, that's what I'm going to focus on. So I called a friend and she said, why don't you get on YouTube and find people that beat the odds and find some encouragement for yourself. So I get on YouTube and I find uh, Sean Stevenson, who was the first person I found. He was doing a, a podcast interview about how he rehabilitated his back with nutrition and fitness. He had degenerative spine and disc disease. He had broken his hip when he was 16 years old. And I thought, okay, you know, if he can do this, I, I can do this, you know, even though it was different conditions, but it had something to do with the back. So I created an Instagram account got on social media so I could get in touch with this man. And he sent me some of the podcast interviews that he had given and he set up his own protocol. So I thought, okay, I'm dealing with something very rare. If you Google the condition or even get on PubMed, there's not a lot written about it other than time to surgery or recovery to bladder. Patients are not followed past two years and there's a lot of case reports. And that's pretty much all, all that you see. So I'm like, okay, I need to find a protocol. So I decided I'm going to learn everything I can about quad equina syndrome. And through that process, I happened to find the neuroprotective properties of the ketogenic diet. I started reading about that. I found some research out of I-cord in cervical spine injury in rats for neuroprotection and, and uh, motor protection. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try this ketogenic diet. I have nothing to lose. I was familiar with it from, you know, treatment and epilepsy. So I, I'm going to try this diet. So I went online. I found my friend, Vanessa Spina, who's a ketogenic girl, and she helped me learn how to do a well-formulated ketogenic diet. So I tracked everything. And by this time I was already accidentally in ketosis because I really wasn't hungry after my surgery. A diet order was not put in. I really was hadn't eaten in days. So I already had the benefits of autophagy going on, uh, which were newly discovered around that time that this happened. So I was starting to see whispers about that. So I thought, okay, I have a few things going for me. I'm just going to leverage this. So I started doing the uh, ketogenic diet. Then I found uh, Dr. Stuart McGill, who has done extensive research on the back and creating functional training programs and rehabbing and protecting your back once you've had an injury. So my rehab was actually based on the work of Stuart McGill because my uh, physical therapist, both of them were trained in functional training. So I had the fortunate aspect of that. So I started, okay, every day I'm going to train just like, you know, I would normally do at the gym. I would get up throughout the day. I would never just lie on the couch all day. I would just force myself to get up, even if it was just for five minutes. And I gradually built up my endurance. I made the progressions through the wheelchair to the walker, to the cane, to finally walking without a device. I returned to work. And then I was able to just gradually build myself up over the course of that year. And then the other component, because I'm a huge student of uh, quantum mechanics is I found Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza, who also had a back injury, and he used a lot of techniques with his mind and visualization. So I added that into my protocol as well, because I had to have my mind in the game at all times, I couldn't let myself 
sink down into despair because that's something that's so easy uh, to do when you're dealing with something that's rare and most people don't know about it or even, you know, there's no protocol because in medicine, we have guidelines, we have protocols and there was like nothing. (laughs) So, uh, you know, when I would think about that, I would have anxiety, but then I'm like, nope, you have your own protocol. You're, you know, you're progressing. So I would focus on what I could do and the progress I was making versus what I couldn't do. And I just, you know, created a vision board. Um, My first physical therapist um, at home, she said, why don't you create a vision of your recovery? Because what do people bring you when you're homebound? Magazines. So I had every celebrity magazine known to man. And uh, was just reading it. I'm like, okay. So I created a vision board of everything I wanted to accomplish um, that year and, you know, for the following year. And I just kept that in front of me too, because I think that's so important to just have your mindset in the game. Um, Wow. So you had a very multifaceted approach here. Um, You know, you've got your, you've got the physical that you're working on. You're, you know, making sure you're moving and kind of progressively um, you know, doing more and more, it sounds like, uh, you've got a dietary component, you adopted a ketogenic diet, and then it seems like, um, you know, you were doing a lot with your mindset and visualization, trying to, um, just envision the right, the right future and, uh, kind of direct yourself in that, um, in that path. So what, um, you know, in what time frame did you start noticing uh, benefits from, from this multifaceted approach? So it wasn't an overnight process. I, I think that's one thing that when you're dealing with a recovery, especially after a major back surgery or a major catastrophic event or a diagnosis where you're going to be in it for the long haul, it's, it's not overnight. It's something that occurs over a gradual process. So one of the things that I learned that really empowered me was my neurosurgeon said, well, you know, peripheral nerves, they can regenerate, they're capable of regenerating. And they, depending on the size, they can regenerate at one to five millimeters a day. So I was really encouraged with that because when you look at the classification systems that they have for peripheral nerve injury, there's several, the Seddon and Sunderland, which are the two most well-known. Um, when you look at the type of injury, so I knew my injury was ischemic. So I knew that there was some damage to those nerves and they were stunned and they were either going to regenerate around the injured area, which I was hopeful for, or they were just going to start working again once they worked out the process. Cause when you have this type of injury, I had the physical injury of the disc, but there was also the chemical injury and the chemical process that goes on after something like that happens. So I was hopeful that the ketogenic diet would protect my nerves while those nerves work their way out. So as far as a time frame with that, given my height and my injury and the deficits that I had, it was a good year uh, before I considered myself uh, recovered. And it was about a year and a half before the foot drop resolved. I had a right foot drop. So I had to learn how to walk not feeling my right foot on the ground, except for this little space on my heel. So then when the feeling and sensation came back, because I had learned to walk one way, my foot would just get stuck on the ground 
because I was I would forget the next steps. And I also had um, noticed some proprioception issues with my right side with where my foot was in space. So I I did use um, orthotics in my shoe to, to help keep my foot in the upright position uh, when I would be walking. And I had to train myself not to look at my feet when I was walking because I was afraid of falling with tripping. So it was about a, a year and a half. And I was in physical therapy uh, for two years. Um, the first year and then on and off for the second year as needed to help me correct muscle imbalances as things were coming back. Um, as far as the spasticity, uh, so some people have problems with uh, muscle spasms in their legs and nerve pain. I did have that. I thought that was a good sign that things were coming back. So I used um, as needed Valium for that, especially at night, because they would get so bad, they would keep me up at night and your foot and your muscles contort. It's almost like you have an alien in your leg is the only way uh, to describe it. That's just like pulling on your muscles um, as tight as possible. Uh, so I used um, foam rolling techniques, um, massage, and uh, I used the ad as needed value, which I have not had to take um, now in three years uh, because everything worked its way out. But there is that time period where your nerves will be working uh, their way out and you may have that burning sensation. And I made the choice. I didn't want to take a lot of medication because I, I wanted to let uh, the diet and my body just do what it needed to do. And a lot of the medications are sedating and I didn't want to be in that state because I also had to work and I, I wanted, you know, to just be able to feel like I was in control of my mind and stuff like that. So I opted not to have um, other than that one medication that I used. So I, I kind of just grinned and bared it and it wasn't every day, but it would be like flare ups and it would wax and wean. Uh, so that was another thing that, that I went through now being, um, you know, almost five years out from this injury. It's, you know, knock on wood, a rare event to actually have a back flare up at this point. And usually it's because I just got lax in, you know, my core and, and glute strengthening program that I do. Um, because it's so important to strengthen those because that's what stabilizes your lumbar spine. So I have to keep my lumbar spine uh, stable. So it's usually when I get a little lax in my daily routine that uh, I'll end up having a little bit of flare up. Okay. Well, um, I, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned visualization earlier. Uh, do you remember any of uh, the initial um, the initial things that you visualized for yourself and uh, some of the things that you put on your vision board? Is there any anything you can share from that? Yes. So my vision board, I had a vision of I wanted to return to work. I wanted to go to the gym. I set a goal of running a 5K that I wanted to do on Thanksgiving day after my surgery. And I just needed a goal to work towards. So this was, this was the goal and it was um, a, kind of a lofty goal, but I ended up accomplishing it on Thanksgiving day after my back surgery. I ran not being able to feel my foot on the ground. I had some foot drop. I completed that 5k in 35 minutes because prior to this happening, I did run. It was something that I enjoyed. So I, I worked hard for this. I, you know, I was able to do it. It was an ugly run um, because I was constantly afraid my foot was going to trip. So I was the way I was running, you, you, you know, it, it was in hindsight, 
in hindsight, if anyone saw this after I had surgery, they're like, what is this girl doing? Uh, but it was something I felt like I had to do to prove to myself that I could do this and, you know, I could accomplish anything I set my mind to. So I was able to do that. I also, uh, most of my meditations, I use guided meditations and those meditations helped alleviate a lot of anxiety I was feeling. Cause when you're having uncertainty and especially, you know, during we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's so much uncertainty and anxiety uh, that people feel. I almost feel like being homebound for all, all of that time that I, I was dealing with a real illness. It's very similar to kind of what we're going through now. And uh, I still use the guided meditation, but it helps focus your mind and calm it down. Uh, because when you're going through something like this, your mind just goes crazy. And you start, once you go off into the you know worst case scenario land, it, it's very hard to come back from that. Um, so I would just use guided meditation. I visualize myself walking, running. I visualize from what I could remember, what surfaces felt like. So I, I would visualize, visualize myself being able to feel the carpet under my foot or being on a wood floor or being on grass or sand. I also did a lot of grounding. I spent, um, cause I live near a beach. So I, every day I had off, I would go down to that beach. And the first time I walked on that sand, I literally did a face plant and it was right by the lifeguard station. So of course everyone ran over and I explained my situation. <laughs> so I did, when I first started walking on the beach, I used a cane just to kind of get myself centered, but it was a great exercise and being able to balance my core and balance myself and be able to touch the earth. And I think that alone um, helped, you know, the summer after my back surgery, just, you know, help ground myself and help me build my confidence, you know, just being out there in the world. Wow. Um, is there any, is there a specific guided meditation that, um, that you followed or one that you can recommend? I would just find, you know, guided meditation. I would just put in guided, guided meditation, anxiety, um, Joe, Joe Dispenza, Michael Seeley, um, anything by him. He, uh, if anything, you'll end up falling asleep and waking up a few hours later to get a really good nap, but you wake up feeling so refreshed and empowered and calm. Uh, so his, his were really good. So I, I would, you know, put those in and then there were some that were just music and I would just listen to the music and I, it, the music would calm me and I would visualize myself, you know, doing all the things I wanted to do in life. Yeah. Oh, that's, um, that's phenomenal. And um, I'm curious with the um, the dietary change that you had. How um, how did your diet differ? You know from uh, what you were doing before and before um, before Cara Equina, um, and then how has it evolved over time since then? So with the diet, I initially, so I've struggled with lifelong allergies my whole life. I have um, severe allergies to certain fruits and tree nuts. I also tested positive for the gluten antibodies. So I have a problem with gluten. So I've struggled this my whole life. I've had asthma and allergy. So I've been, you know, in and out of the doctor's office for that related to the allergies and seasonal allergies are really bad. So in an attempt to um, feel good when I would eat food, because when I would eat certain foods, my throat would feel like it was swelling shut. 
I tended to gravitate towards more processed food because I had less issues with that than, you know, my lips blowing up if I would eat fruit. So, uh, you know, my whole life, that's what I dealt with. And I'm like, okay, I'm just someone that has allergies. So I ended up eating more kind of on the process side because it was less, I felt better versus eating stuff that was just swelling my throat. So I, I was in and out of allergists and they're like, yep, you have allergies, just have to deal with it, avoid what you're allergic to. So it was constantly navigating, you know, what I could eat. My sister also had allergies. So my mom was constantly trying to figure out, you know, what we could eat. Um, so I was dealing with that. So I wanted to go to, um, you know, study nursing and science and pharmacy. Uh, those are my passions. So I could not only learn information to help myself, but also to help other people that struggle with this. Uh, because in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I ended up gaining a lot of weight. And in hindsight, it was because of my dietary choices, because of these allergies, which is the root of my problem. So when I graduated pharmacy school, I weighed 220 pounds. Um, I'm only 5'4", so it was a lot of weight to be carrying around. I was starting to feel, you know, depressed within myself. I was following everything I was learning in school. It just wasn't working for me. So I discovered uh, Rob Wolf uh, from the Paleo Diet, Lauren Cordain from the Paleo Diet. I started reading about this Paleo Diet because they were actually talking about allergies. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, you know, try this Paleo Diet and see what happens. So I started upping my protein a little bit and, you know, really cooking my food because I had read that that can lower some of the um, allergens. So I started cooking my food. I was able to tolerate more foods and I was actually able to lose weight. I lost 50 pounds. I was, I hired a trainer at the gym because, you know, clearly I wasn't working out the right way. So I hired somebody to help me uh, learn how to work out. So I was going to the gym. I lost 50 pounds and it was during this period that the back pain started and in hindsight, I think it was just, you know, a constellation of things that happened and not properly training uh, based on my level, not having the core strength to do some of the stuff I was doing. And I, I think, you know, it's just a perfect storm, you know, to injure my back, which, which led to this herniation. And after that, when I did the ketogenic diet, I did a, I did a classic ketogenic diet for almost a year. I cycled through the different types that they had uh, through the Charlie Foundation for epilepsy because I was hungry and I was craving a lot of protein. And that's what I wanted to eat. And when I would cheat on this, I would cheat by having, you know, a steak or, you know, burgers. And then I would panic that, oh my goodness, am I, you know, still in ketosis? Did I mess myself up? So I would test and I would still be in ketosis because I meticulously tracked everything because I knew how important being in ketosis was. So that's when I discovered uh, the Emmerichs and their wonderful book, Keto, uh, which came out. And I realized I still had some weight to lose and I needed to get this weight off me because it was impacting my back. So I realized that your body, once you're fat adapted, doesn't know the difference between the dietary fat or your own fat. So I thought, well, I can get into my own fat stores and up my protein. So that's what I did. I took my own body fat into account. So I started gradually upping my protein. Then I found the work of Dr. Sophia Clemens from the Paleo Medicina group. Uh, she, they had the PKD protocol. So I started looking at that and looking at their case studies. And at that time, Dr. Sean Baker uh, came on the scene. I saw him on Joe Rogan and I discovered Georgia Ede. 
and started reading her wonderful food blog. And I had the confidence that I'm like, okay, I'm going to see if I can solve multiple problems I've had and also see if I can lose some weight and just try, you know, going zero carbohydrate. So I did it. And that's when my world changed. I uh, got down to my leanest weight. My inflammation in my body just went away. My PCOS resolved. I I went for an annual ultrasound. I didn't have any cysts on my ovaries. My eczema was gone. And I was just like, wow, this is absolutely wonderful. So I did that for about three years. And then I started kind of not feeling well. And I felt like something was missing. So I went for an allergist because at that time I felt comfortable that I want to try to add foods back in because uh, I had run up on elimination diets. And I still a very big fan of the paleo diet and the, the paleo autoimmune protocol. So I thought, oh, maybe I can add some more variety in. So I went to the analogist and I've gradually over this past year been experimenting with adding things back in that I tolerate. And I've expanded my, um, the zero carb aspect because I had some seafood allergies. So now I've added more seafood in and I have more variety. I feel good. Um, you know, I, I've gone, my weight has gone up about 10 pounds, but I feel like I got too lean, um, with, with the, with the diet, um, to the point where I wasn't feeling too good. So now I'm, I feel like I'm at my set weight. It's normalized. Um, I'm able to train. I feel really strong. I'm able to lift weights, I'm able to jog when I want to. I just started cycling, uh, which is a great low impact exercise for someone like me. And I just feel really good. So that's kind of been the progression, uh, that I've gone through and it's just, you know, learning, applying and evolving. Well, that's, uh, that's terrific. So it, yeah, it seems like, um, yeah, you're willing to make changes over time. And um, a lot of those have panned out really well. I mean, you just talked, how have your allergies responded? So my allergies, I've had a few flare ups this year, um, which is to be expected when you're reintroducing foods. But I do have a handful of foods that I tolerate really well. Um, most of them happen to be um, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, mushrooms, uh, pumpkin, I do really well with. Um, I have tried to add back in, you know, typical keto foods like avocado. Um, I did add some banana in, but then uh, I started having trouble with those two foods. So I've eliminated them. I've added in oysters, scallops, shrimp. I've started eating more fish, tuna. Uh, so I do primarily a very high um, protein diet. And in fact, I'm, I'm very interested in the work of Dr. Ted Naiman with his protein energy uh, because a lot of the foods listed that are higher protein energy are actually some of the ones I, I tolerate. And uh, I've actually added back in some chicken and leaner cut meats, uh, because I want to maintain uh, what I have accomplished, because being um, in the sport of cycling, um, it's good to be kind of on the leaner side for all the aerodynamics of being being on the bike. But I also want to maintain that for my health. And just at this point, kind of experiment, well, what can I do aesthetically with my body as an athlete? And what can I do as far as performance as an athlete? Um, especially in my forties. So I've kind of been experimenting uh, with that. So, you know, looking at the, the PE diet that Ted Naiman has come out with, that is something that's working 
you know, really well for me right now um, at this point of where I am in my journey. And I'm, I'm okay evolving from there. Um, but I think it's, you know, I still have the, you know, the ketogenic nutrition approach and um, making sure, you know, that I am eating the least inflammatory diet and that I'm in good metabolic health because my health is, is the most important uh, thing to me, not the weight on the scale, but, you know, overall how I feel, you know, to be pain-free, uh, to not have to be in the doctor's office all the time, to not be on medication, to have good metabolic health, to have PCOS and remission and have alleviation of allergy symptoms. Um, my seasonal allergies, knock on wood, have not been as bad as they have been in past years. And I think a lot of that is because I've eliminated cross-reactor foods to pollens I'm severely allergic to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, you know, there's so much there that I think um, is really remarkable. A lot of people um, aren't even aware that, you know, PCOS for it, for instance, or seasonal allergies that those can be um, altered by diet. And I'm sure, you know, the other lifestyle changes you're making are also having a good impact on that. But, um, you know, that's just something, you know, it, it's almost just a side conversation here, you know, compared to uh, your Cauda equinon where you're coming from. But the fact that uh, you've greatly improved how you respond to uh, pollen and, you know, just how your seasonal allergies act and the fact that your PCOS is in remission, that's just really, um, really remarkable. Um, throughout this time, how have your family and your friends, how have they like responded to your transformation? Well, when this first started, I kind of kept it secret that I was doing a ketogenic diet, except for from my doctor um, who supported me in that. And also my small uh, circle of people that were around me at the time. When I went zero carb, I again, really didn't tell anybody. I, you know, just decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. And my mom started noticing that I was having this amazing transformation, as she calls it. And she was like, teach, can you teach me? Because she was having, uh, you know, some health problems. And we had just, we lost my dad at the end of 2016 from a sudden heart attack. So my mom was very concerned about her health. And she saw the changes in me and how I was improving. And she said, can you teach me? So I taught my mom how to do a ketogenic, um, you know, zero carb diet. And my mom has been doing this now for, uh, I would say a good four years, three or four years. And she has lost 40 pounds. She has completely recompositioned her body at 70 years old. She lifts weights. She uh, prioritizes protein and she started to reverse her osteoporosis. So her, uh, and she's off all medication now. So her primary care doctor and her urologists have worked with her uh, to, you know, make this happen. They've been very open to learning and reading and, you know, supporting my mom. So she's had a great impact. As far as my family and friends, everybody knows what quadriquina syndrome is. Uh, they're very educated. So anyone that has back pain, people always, they're like, oh, make sure you watch for this. And um, a lot of my family and friends have gone low carb. Uh, so I love, you know, cooking for them and coming up with creative recipes because I'm a science geek. So I like that stuff. Uh, so, you know, oh, it's, I think what happened to me, 
a lot of people around me started thinking about their health um, in a in a different way. Um, so, you know, we can, you know, all, you know, back in the day when we would go out to dinner, we, we would all go out to dinner, we would all order a meal um, based on whatever spectrum diet that we were doing that, that was working for us. And, you know, we would enjoy a meal. And um, I think it got a lot of people moving around me uh, that never exercised before. People were going for walks. Um, so I think with this happening, a, a lot of people around me really started to take their health serious in a positive way and make, you know, changes that worked for them. Oh, well, that's great. Those, those are really uh, terrific ripple effects to, uh, to come from this. Um, you know, on this, on this journey to um, health, um, what have some of the challenges been along the way? I think a lot of the challenges that I faced was just having confidence in myself that I could do this. Um, so I had those challenges. I also had challenges within myself because a lot of the way that I was eating and training kind of went against what I had learned in school. So I wanted to have the confidence in myself that this was correct information. So I'm really grateful uh, for people like Nina Teschalt and Gary Tobbs because I read their books because they I love reporters. I love investigative reporters because I always feel that they're going to give something neutral because they, they want to know the truth. They want to know what the answer is. So their books helped me a lot in building my confidence in the literature and being able to search and critically think for myself and actually see what was happening in me and what was happening in, in other people, like as far as our health uh, with that. So I think a majority of the people uh, were very open to, you know, learning about what I did uh, as far as my transformation and wanting to learn more about it. I never pushed it on anybody. Oh, you have to do this. This is the only way. Um, but I think it helped empower people to really search, you know, within themselves to find things that worked for them for their health. Uh, as far as, you know, eating out in restaurants or making this work, I'm very fortunate to live in a community that supported me uh, during all this. So the few restaurants that I did eat at because of my allergies, they took care of my allergies. I never had to worry. They'd make a special plate for me. Um, in fact, one of the pubs uh, that I would go to, they had the Nevada carnivore dinner. Uh, they had it right on the menu. I had a special tab right in the register. Um, you know, they made this meal for me and other people would go and they'd order it. They'd order the meal too. Wow. So <laughs> I, I did have a lot of support. Um, you know, a, one of the big challenges was also just dealing with something rare um, that, you know, my neurosurgeon had only seen a few cases before me. Um, I was very fortunate that my physical therapist outpatient had worked with um, spinal cord injury. So had some uh, familiar, was familiar with it. Um, but that was, you know, challenging in itself. And then also what was challenging for me is I also wanted to make sure I was getting everything I needed through my diet as well, you know, that I was eating, getting all the micronutrients I needed and everything I needed to, you know, recover from this and not have deficiencies. So it was really just building the confidence within myself that I had good quality evidence-based uh, science uh, to take the leap, you know, to be able to do this. While a lot of this has not been studied, uh, that I'm very encouraged with what has been studied in the past few years, 
with a ketogenic diet. Um, it's now in the mainstream. People are talking about it. In fact, Dr. Chris Palmer is about to start a landmark clinical trial on ketogenic diet and mental illness. So I'm really encouraged to see doctors and scientists talking about this and researching that. And that's one of the reasons that I share my story and my experience, because I hope it can help someone else in a similar circumstance or stimulate the interest of scientists and doctors that want to study this. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I'm sure, um, yeah, any, any scientist or a clinician who hears your story would be very intrigued. Um, you know, it's been a remarkable transformation um, from, you know, paralysis effectively to now you are, um, you know, you're active and moving around. In the meantime, you've resolved PCOS. I mean, it's just a really, um, really remarkable story. Um, and I guess along those lines, when it comes to uh, Cauda Equina, do you consider yourself cured? I consider myself recovered. So my diagnosis, and there's there were a few different classifications, but how my neurosurgeon classified me was acute quad equina syndrome with urinary retention. Um, so it was close to a complete injury, uh, but it wasn't yet complete because I still I didn't have complete loss of bowel and bladder. Uh, but I did uh, lose the awareness of when I had to empty my bladder. So my bladder would just fill to capacity and then I would have the overflow incontinence, which is what was happening with me. So that's how I was classified. Um, And he told me once my disc was taken off the quadraquina that I no longer had quadraquina syndrome because the disc was removed. Um, And he didn't know if I would have chronic quadraquina syndrome, which is when the symptoms do not resolve. So that he did not know, but I'm not considered to have quad equina syndrome because the, the disc was removed. So that's how that was explained to me. And it was also explained to me based on my last MRI that my risk of developing quad equina syndrome from a herniated disc should, God forbid, I herniate another one, which I hope never to do again, that my risk is no greater than the general population, which made me feel good um, with that. So I'm very conscious of the way I move. Um, I, you know, always make sure my back is in neutral. If I can't pick something up, I don't do it. I, I don't do exercises that I'm not comfortable doing, uh, such as deadlifting, because uh, I don't have the flexibility uh, for that. And the beauty of fitness is there's so much you can do to work the same muscles without doing exercises that put you at risk. So I'm very you know, conscious of, of what I do. And if it doesn't feel good, I stop right away. And I find something that feels good and keeps my back safe and protected. Okay. Um, I'm curious with this. Um, do you have full feeling back throughout your uh, lower body? I do. So I, I have, my legs are now the same size. I have some residual deficits. Um, so I, I ended up getting motor and sensation back in everything, but two toes, uh, which I'm still hopeful they might come back. You never know. Um, but I do notice in like certain temperatures, like when it gets really cold, um, my foot will get lazy. My foot, foot drop will come back. If my muscles get really fatigued in my leg, my foot drop will come back. Um, if I don't do my foam rolling or stretching and my hip flexors get too tight, I'll start having back pain. Um, 
and start having some problems uh, with my right leg. But I'm very conscious of making sure that I continue with those exercises because that's the other thing. When you have major back surgery, most people get maybe 12 weeks tops of physical therapy. And then after that, how do you maintain that? How do you keep those muscles strong so that you maintain the success of your surgery? And I think that's something that's really not talked about um, after that. But this is, you know, lifelong maintenance after this surgery. I, I don't ever want to have to have another back surgery again or put myself at risk um, that my spine becomes destabilized or even put myself at risk for uh, stenosis because I still have some, believe it or not, I still have some disc material between the L5 S1, but I, I don't want to have, you know, whatever I can do to prevent the degeneration of that area. I'm, I'm going to do, you know, everything I possibly can uh, for that. Cause the other things that are important for your sleep is having good mattress, having good shoes, getting good sleep, making sure that you, you're hydrated because how do your discs get the raw material and the nutrients it needs? And it's through diffusion during restorative sleep. So those things are also, you know, important. So it's become at this point, a lifestyle for me that is just, it's my routine. It's what I do. And, you know, it's everyday non-negotiable. That makes sense. Um, now for the question I ask everybody on, on this podcast, uh, now that you've improved your health, what's one thing you enjoy doing that you couldn't do before? One thing that I enjoy doing that I couldn't do before, I would say just moving my body. Um, when I was overweight, I it was very hard to exercise being 220 pounds. I've lost 92 pounds. So when I was down to my leanest weight, I was 92 pounds. I've since gained back 10, so 82 pound weight loss. But when you're carrying around that much weight, you you just can't move. I I missed out on so much in life when I was that heavy um, because of being insecure about my weight, um, hiding behind pound of makeup because I had acne from PCOS. Um, I just missed out on so much. And now that you know, I I'm in. I found you know good health and transformed my health. I love the fact that I don't have to wear makeup. I'm not even wearing makeup right now. I very rarely wear makeup. Um, I move my body every day. I can jog. I, every time I go to exercise and when I, you know, bought my indoor bike, I, I just, I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful I can do this because when you have that taken away from you, it's something you never forget. And it's something you never take for granted. Uh, Losing part of the function of your body. That's, that's something that's just life changing. And I'm just so grateful to be able to, you know, move my body. It, it made me, it made me a better healthcare provider for my patients. Cause I understand chronic pain. I never understood chronic pain before. Um, I never understood. Um, I, I understood the struggle of being obese, but I never understood the struggle of navigating the healthcare system, um, especially with a rare illness. So it, it's made me view um, healthcare a little differently to be able to help people better navigate um, when these things happen. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's really great, and I'm I'm happy for you. And I know, yeah, you're you're great about um, expressing gratitude for and just positivity um, online, um, and I guess. 
speaking of that, where where can the listeners find you um, online? So my main platform is Instagram at the Paleo Pharmacist, which is the account that I started to share my journey and connect with other people doing ketogenic diet and on, uh, you know, just looking to recover their health and lose weight. And it's an amazing community. It's been a very positive experience for me. I'm recently on Twitter, which has equally been a positive experience for me. I've curated my feed. I'm following all my favorite scientists and doctors. Um, Everyone's posting studies. So I'm in science geek heaven over there. Um, And then I just started a blog. I have the paleo pharmacist. Um, It's been a labor of love. I just earned a um, keto coach certificate from the Emmerichs um, who have mentored me. But my biggest um, thing that I love to do is I love writing and learning. So I'm hoping to evolve this blog into a a resource for people uh, to be able to connect with other people and just, you know, be able to find resources and kind of create what I was looking for when I was recovering um, and have that for other people. And then all um, of my affiliate links that I do have on there, I'm able to donate those commissions right back into um, spinal cord injury research. And this year I'm donating everything, um, you know, for affiliate on there through, through my Instagram account to Dr. Palmer's study, um, because this is really important work. It's going to pave the way for so many patients with uh, neurological conditions. And I'm very, very excited uh, for the future of this research. That's really wonderful and uh, very generous. Um, you know, do you have any other uh, message for, um, you know, before we close here and um, any message for someone who may be suffering from a similar um diagnosis to Cara equina or just a, a rare diagnosis in general? Do you have any message for them? I would say stay the course, empower yourself as much as possible, seek out doctors and scientists that are working on your problem, even if it's an extrapolation of, of the problem, you know, scientists working with the nervous system, and really follow that research. And at a lot of times you have to create your own protocol. So, you know, read, learn, empower yourself, find people, if you can, with your diagnosis that are, you know, positive, um, because that's so important. I was able to find several people with quad equina syndrome, various types of injuries, their positivity uh, with their injury, even though they didn't have you know, quite a, a full recovery of motor and sensory. Uh, for example, my friend, Tim Angelone, he walked across Europe, um, you know, with quad equina syndrome and, you know, just people like him, just so positive. That's what kept me going, um, that we're recovering at the same time. So that's what kept me going. And just remembering that every moment's a chance to choose again. So for example, if you mess up on your diet, the next meal is a chance to choose again. If you, you know, are having a bad moment, the next moment is chance to choose again, to try to get yourself um, in a better feeling emotion. Um, And also reach out and connect with other people because that human connection, it's so important. And there's so many good people, especially, you know, in the ketogenic, low carb uh, space that are just so helpful uh, that will give you that resource that you might be looking for. Um, that's why I love connecting people with people 
because you just, you know, there's, there's that one little resource that sets you on your way. Like if I, if I never would have found Sean Stevenson that day, I don't know where I would even be today if I did not hear his story. Uh, so that's what I would encourage people just, you know, stay the course, empower yourself, educate yourself as much as possible, seek out, you know, doctors and scientists working on your problem and try to seek out other people that, you know, are similar or beating the odds or who have beat the odds and learn from them what they did that, you know, that's what I did. I'm like, what did you do? You know, and a lot of people are like, I had a good daily routine. Um, I, you know, I, I did this every day. And even if you didn't recover, it was focusing on what you could do versus what you couldn't do. Focus on what you can recover and work with what you have um, at the time. And, and those were, you know, words of wisdom that got me through because it, it really empowered me. Oh, well, that's terrific. And yeah, that's a, a great template for um, anyone to follow. Um, Nevada, thank you so much for uh, being so generous with your time today. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing your story of healing. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to You Cured What? Join us again soon for another story of healing.